0: Today's episode is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need.
1: Ogumbo Wallen for the win! Goal! You
0: are Locked hey, women's on basketball Women's fans. Basketball. fans. Erica, Lindsay Ayala back daily for a Thursday on episode of Locked on Women's Basketball. You know what that means. We're talking about social justice in women's basketball, and we're going to stick with the WNBA. We're WNBA adjacent. We're going to talk about a few other sports as well. But first, have you listened to Tuesday's episode? Could you tell that I've been excited about the Origin Collection, a collaboration between Kevin and his wife Jackie Gray of New Jersey Sets and their team alongside my good friend Jasmine Baker, also known as We Got Game 2 and they are putting new and fresh WNBA merch on the market. If you missed Tuesday's episode, we get into the origin story of the Origin collection and we also go off about why the WNBA trophy doesn't have a name, etc., etc. As always, we encourage you, as always, we encourage you to subscribe to Locked On Women's Basketball, wherever you listen to podcasts. I personally like to listen on Spotify. You can also listen to us on Megaphone, uh, Apple Podcasts, basically anywhere you can find podcasts. It really helps us when you subscribe, and it helps you too. You never miss an episode. On Mondays, you have Amy Autobert and Gabe Ibrahim. On Tuesdays, I'm with you. Uh, Wednesdays, Lindsey Gibbs, and then on Friday with Howard Magdal. So if you don't want to miss an episode, go ahead and subscribe. All right, so back to the business of this episode. If you are a loyal listener, you know it is Social Justice Thursday. I am very excited, as I always am every time I I step to the microphone, if you will. But I'm excited to dive in and get a little bit real. I told you on Tuesday that I wanted to have a conversation about Sue Bird's CNN um, interview. I saw it making rounds. Um, I'm sure you're tired of me telling you that I was in Tennessee. It's just on my mind because I'm still in quarantine. Anyway, I digress. Um, I was in quarantine or I was in Tennessee and didn't get to read the or see the segment. Then I'm, I've am i been in quarantine working on a, on a project, uh, didn't get to focus on it. But now in the last few days of my quarantine, I've been able to catch up on a few things. And so Sue Bird's CNN article, I was like, all right, I'll watch that. It's only a few minutes. And then I'll talk about it on Thursday show. And then I watched Sue Bird, And then it came to my attention that she's referencing... Megan Rapino's Players Tribune article, which I also did not read when it first came out because I was focused on covering the Wubble season. Um, but I love Megan Rapino, and so Sue Bird led me to Megan Rapino, and I wanted to read her Players Tribune article. She talks about uh, 2019 and the World Cup. That's how she starts, but there's a second point, and the second point is where I want to start. If you haven't read, the article, I highly recommend it, uh, but I'm going to read a little bit to you um, because I'm going to be honest, uh, breaking news here, folks. There are two specific things that I disagree with Megan Rapino about, um, and I'm going to go over that. And then in the next segment, I'm going to lead off by telling you about Sue Bird's interview and something that I disagree with um, Sue Bird about. But we'll start with Megan. Megan Rapino. Point number two. I'm not going to write an article with, like this without being real. This article is coming from the wobble. In case you don't know, she was in the wobble. Uh, I continue now as Megan Rapino. This is very exciting for me. Anyway, I continue uh, quoting Megan Rapino or whomever wrote on behalf of Megan Rapino. And before I go any further here, if I'm being totally real with you, There's an elephant in the room that I think has to be brought up. It's something that I think doesn't get spoken about nearly enough when the topic of the W comes up. People beat around the bush about it. They talk about it in code. They, quote, say it without saying it. So let's say it. This country has a deep history of racism and a deep history of homophobia. And if you look at the players in the W, most of them are black. And a lot of them are gay. I just think that needs to be said loud and clear so there's no mistaking things. Because again, I'm so proud of the run that we went on last year at the World Cup. And I'm so damn grateful for the support that we got. And in a lot of ways, I'm over the moon about how it was seen as this breakthrough moment. But I think the conversation around what our team represented tended to be somewhat incomplete. And what I mean by that is, when it comes to U.S. women's soccer, the general perception is that, let's face it, we're the white girls next door. We're the straight, quote, cute, quote, unthreatening, quote, suburban, white girls next door. It's not actually who we are. The women's national team racial diversity, though not yet where it needs to be, is improving every year. And, you know, breaking news, I'm gay. But by and large, that's the perception and it's certainly how we're marketed to a lot of people. All right, I am back as me now. Uh, it was fun being Megan Rapino for a little bit. Uh, um, jokes aside, while I agree with Megan Rapino that the conversation needs to be brought to light, I suppose from my vantage point, I'm just wondering what rooms Megan Rapino is not in because. To me, this is far from the elephant in the room. But I'm not a white. I'm not a white woman. (laughs) It just, it it truly blows my mind that there are people that live in this world that can excuse racism. And I mean, I expect that from men, particularly white men. But from white women, I must say, I'm a bit ignorant to their ignorance um, or their ambivalence on this on this topic. And I am recording this the day after a fantastic and absolutely fantastic event that was hosted by Penn State and the one the only Amira Rose Davis, excuse me, doctor. Amira Rose Davis. As you know, the Locked On Podcast Network is reliable. We reliably bring you podcasts from your favorite sports and your favorite teams every day of the week. And just like our reliability, rockauto.com has reliably low prices for your everyday do-it-yourselfer. If you want to go to a family business that has been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years you're going to go to rockauto.com you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers the catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate you can quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands and specifications and prices that you prefer best of all rockauto.com is here we go always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why should you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? We're not doing that. We're not doing that folks. This is what we are going to do. You're going to go to rockauto.com right now and you can see all the parts available for your car, your truck, whatever vehicle you have. You're going to type in locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we, auntie, and the crew sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. So not only did I, <laughs> I almost forgot, also the ESPNW Summit was the last two days, and I have mixed feelings about the ESPNW Summit, so I, I, I'm happy to talk about that on another podcast, but um, this is This summit was hosted by Penn State, um, and it's called Black Women's Athletic Activism, Past, Present, and Future. It was on Wednesday, October 21st from 6.30 to 8 p.m., so it led me right into listening to Jessica Mendoza call the World Series. I haven't watched baseball all season and almost, like, for a year and a half, but... I loved listening to Jessica Mendoza as one of the analysts. Only thing that would have made it better, uh, two things, is uh, one, if she were the play-by-play and if the Mets were playing. But I digress. Dr. Amira Rose Davis, some of you may know her as a co-host of the feminist sports podcast Burn It All Down. They had some great news. So congrats to Lindsay Gibbs, of course Dr. Davis, and the rest of of the staff uh, They're joining up on on a network and are getting some support, so happy for that. Anyway, I digress yet again. As always, you know how it goes on Tuesday, Thursday. Dr. Davis moderated a panel that included Olympian Wyoming Atayas, Manhattanville basketball player, and current NightClue New York Civil Liberties Union um, employee, Tony Smith-Thompson. I talk about Tony Smith all the time. I love talking about Tony Smith's legacy. Um, Olympian Gwen Berry, softball player A.J. Andrews, uh, former New York Liberty player uh, Tina Charles, and two current college students, Anna Cockrell and Olivia Jack. Anna goes to the University of Southern California. And Olivia Jack is at PSU so didn't have to go far so to speak for this and so I know I said I was going to talk about Megan Rapinoe and I know I said I was going to talk about Sue Bird but I really just wanted to set the scene and I want to come back to again black women's athletic activism past present and future because when Megan Rapinoe said that uh that there's an elephant in the room, that people aren't having this conversation. It, it, it You know, I read that and I was like, what is she talking about? What is she talking about? Swin Cash is the first person that I heard speak publicly about what Megan Rapinoe talked about being the elephant in the room. I can't remember the interview, but when Swin said that publicly it struck me. It's not that I didn't know that to be true, and it's not that I I had noticed it myself. But when Swin said that publicly in an interview, it might have been for Players Tribune actually, I knew that I wanted to pursue that as a topic. And I've been focused on learning more about that specifically. And that led to me actually talking to Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi over a year ago. They both were there at the 2019 WNBA All-Star Weekend, but specifically were there in the capacity of uh, USA Basketball because USA Basketball um, announced a new program, a program that, as the story goes, Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi literally drew out uh, using, I believe it was a purple crayon, um, and drew out a map of how... USA Basketball could support its athletes to stay domestic and not have to play overseas. And at the time, I was asking what this means for the WNBA, but I also asked about the Women's World Cup. Megan Rapinoe was actually in the room, and uh, I didn't get to ask Pino this. Um, She had already been back from the World Cup, but um, I did ask uh, Commissioner Engelbert, I asked Diana Taurasi, and I asked Sue Bird about what potentially USA Basketball is going to do differently given that there's been so much success marketing the U.S. women's national team in soccer to the point where when you say U.S. women's national team, most people assume you're talking about soccer. Most people, their default is Megan Rapino and her uh, white girl next store. Uh, teammates and like Pino said and I've written about this the makeup if you will of the team is changing slowly a slow crawl USA soccer Um, but it has changed Um, and I've talked to players like Crystal Dunn but what is true is that the white women particularly the cute white women particularly the cute white women who are either not gay or are not out, um, you know, this goes back a few years, but those women, uh, Megan Rapinoe is somewhat of an, ex- uh, an exception, and things have changed, but those women get marketed. Those women are known, and they still struggle. They're still strugg- struggling for equity and equality in their sport and marketing, etc., but The overwhelming sense that people in sports have and people that support women's causes is that those women get, they get the support of other industries, the entertainment industry, uh, the business industry. And of course, that is seen in uh, an announcement actually uh, that was reintroduced in Angel City FC. Officially now their name, Angel City FC, will be a team in the National Women's Soccer League, the NWSL. And they have all of these major big-time celebrities that are founding investors, including, it was announced yesterday, Candace and Layla Parker. Serena and Olympia are also on there. But we've never seen the likes of that in women's basketball. Um, and certainly not black women coming together. Um, I wrote a little bit so- of something for All for Eleven. I will post that in the links so you can learn a little bit more about Angel City FC. But in that, I reference Lindsey Gibbs in Power Plays. And Lindsay talks about uh, Angel City FC is getting a lot of traction for being a majority woman owned Uh, company. Actually, I think it's all women owned, excuse me, but the founding investors are also women and women of color of all makeups. But here's the thing. Angel City FC is not the first professional team and not the first women's professional team to have an all-woman ownership group. Uh, The Seattle Storm have one and the Atlanta Dream have one. And yes, I said the Atlanta Dream. And yes, That means Kelly Loeffler. And no, I am not here for erasing her name from an all, when I'm categorizing uh, teams for all women ownership. I'm not going to erase her name just because myself, like a lot of other people, disagree with her politics. Um, And I want to make it clear why I'm not going to do that. I, I know I'm going off on another tangent, but here's the thing. When we do that, we're no different than people who omit parts of history because of the gender, the gender expression or identity, or the race of people who accomplish the feat. And I'm not here for it. I'm not about changing history. Just because I'm acknowledging that she's one of few members of an all-woman ownership team does not um, preclude me from praising or from denouncing any or all of what she does. Facts are facts, people. Facts are facts. So I disagreed with what Pino said because I just don't live that life. And the reason I brought up the PSU, Black Women's Athletic Activism, is because this panel spoke much more to how I see the world. Um, So I want to get into this a little bit more. Um, And I want to then, of course, get into what Sue Bird said at CNN. But I think I have to walk you through that history a little bit more. So we started with Pino, because that's where Sue Bird got her uh, piece of information from. She was essentially quoting her girlfriend in CNN. Um, But I have to backtrack from Pino. And I think this panel did a really great job. Black Women's Athletic Activism, Past, Present, and Future, hosted by Penn State and moderated by Dr. Amira Rose Davis. Highly recommend that. I'm going to drop the links in there. What this panel was talking about, in part, um, and then I asked a question that I think also kind of hit on it. Um, A.G. Andrews talked about it a lot. Gwen Berry talked about it a lot. Um, Anna and Olivia, the two um, college students, talked about it. Um, About talking about racism in a space where you're one of very few, if not the only black body or black or brown body. And AJ talked about it so much last night about, um, and I'm, you know, I'm reflecting on my time in college athletics. I played D1 softball and it's so lonely to um, be all about a team and be a good teammate in that way because that's what you're supposed to be as an athlete and to have your teammates back uh, whatever they go through and for them to not show the same interest, just even even interest, let alone care um, or empathy when I talk about racism. And AJ Andrews was hitting, hitting that point a lot last
1: night. It's exhausting to constantly
0: feel that every time you express yourself or you provide proofs of racism, ableism, homophobia, sexism, um, that you... Are discredited that you aren't believed the first time. And then, when there's a big, there's something big that happens at the national stage, then all of a sudden all the eyes turn on you and it's like, well, tell me about what this means to you. And um, have you ever felt this? It's like, I told you last week, I told you last year. I told you not to use this language because this is racist or sexist. And now you're asking me to do that because you want to what? Prove that you're not racist or sexist? To prove that, to have some kind of baseline? I don't, I don't understand. So again, going back to Megan Rapinoe, it, it's the elephant in the room. We don't talk about it. Who are you talking to? Who the f- Who are you talking to? I offered, you know, you heard- I just read what Megan Rapino said. In a little bit, I'm going to get into what Sue Bird said. But I said the same thing earlier this year. Before Pino wrote her article, before Sue Bird went on CNN. I said it a year ago when I spoke to Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird. And here's me being blunt- There's racism in sports, in sports marketing. So when you want to ask why we don't see what we see for women's soccer in women's basketball, it's because of racism. And because of the ignorance to how racism permeates every aspect of our life and our society worldwide. And it's not just racism and sexism. It's other isms, if you will. Hey, women's basketball fans, as always, thank you for listening to Locked on Women's Basketball. We are excited to bring you yummy little nuggets from the greater women's basketball community. As you know, on Thursdays, I get into social justice in women's basketball, so it gets pretty serious. But now I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, and that is Built Bar. It is the best tasting protein bar Ever. it is back and it is even more deliciouser. Yes, it is back and ready to go. It's ready to keep you going. We've got six new flavors including caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake. who doesn't love carrot cake? And that's in addition to the 12 original flavors that include coconut almond, salted caramel, and peanut butter brownie. The bars are 100% covered in chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. But best of all, Built Bar is for the health-conscious person. You can use these while you're losing or trying to maintain a healthy weight, uh, but also indulge in a sweet treat. Again, 100% covered in chocolate. So these bars are low in calorie, they're low sugar, they're high in protein and high in fiber. That makes them great for the keto diet. So here's the offer. Built Bar has reset our promo code for their relaunch. And you still have the option to get a free cooler with purchase, but only while supplies last. So you better hop on this one. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. So in the last segment, you heard me reference my YouTube series, Social Justice in Women's Sports, but specifically my episode, Social Justice in Women's Basketball. And I take you back to 2019, and then again in the Wubble 2020, Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, among others, Stewie, talking about what apparently is the elephant in the room. So the link is in the description. I would appreciate you showing some love and best believe, um, I'm going to bring the social justice and women's sports series back. I'm working on lining up some guests. Um, but in the meantime, in between time, we have social justice Thursdays here on locked on women's basketball. So make sure if you're not already subscribed that you go ahead and do that and follow us on social media at locked on W B B. But now let me play you a clip from the CNN um, interview that Suber did that I've referenced a few times in which she makes reference to Megan Rapinoe's Players' Tribune article, which I read in an earlier segment. So we're about to bring it full circle, folks. Here you go. Sue Bird on CNN.
2: What have you heard from some of your teammates or perhaps what have you experienced this year that has really hit home emotionally for you personally?
1: Yeah. You know, I think when, you know, the video of George Floyd came out and you start, we had Zoom calls with our team and you start to realize that a lot of black people in our country, men, women have stories and the trauma that they're watching, you know, with someone like George Floyd, the story, the trauma that it brings when they hear a story like Breonna Taylor's, it kind of brings up old Memories, I guess um, of of things that have happened in their life that maybe they you know pushed to the side or maybe they thought they got over and so just the re-traumatization of of That and seeing your friends your teammates even our coaches all kinds of people throughout the league to see them have to go through that again For me um, was really difficult and it just um, if anything really like re-energized motivated me to, to try to support them But also again bring awareness
2: on the eve of the finals Your girlfriend, Megan Rapinoe, wrote in the Players' Tribune a really, really thought-provoking piece, and it was about how her sport, soccer, is perceived and how it's marketed and how it's different with the WNBA. I wonder if you could just explain to our viewers who might not have read the piece kind of what the argument was, because I, I thought it was really interesting but really important, too.
1: To be completely, like, blunt but also kind of simple, soccer players generally are, you know, cute little white girls. And I think basketball players, we're, we're all shapes and sizes. We have, like I said earlier, you know, 70 to 80 percent black women, um, a lot of gay women. We're tall, we're big. And I think there's just maybe like this intimidation factor with that. Um, you know, people are quick to talk about it, judge it, put it down. And I, and soccer, you just don't see that just based on how they look.
2: So she was saying that soccer is marketed that way. It is kind of cute girl next door straight even if that's not necessarily true. So should it be marketed differently or, you know, how is soccer doing it wrong or are they doing it right? And does WNBA need to learn something from soccer?
1: No, I think that the problem is, it's not the marketing per se, the problem is how society and how the outside world is willing to accept the cute girl next door, but not willing to accept or embrace or, you know, I guess not judge. these these basketball players who are tall, black, gay. That's kind of, to me, where where the issue is. What I feel like I've learned throughout that process is you have to be who you are. You have to be true to who you are and authentic. We are, you know, representing all that we are. We're representing every day the values that we want to push forward in our world. Um, And I feel like you can go to bed at night and sleep well knowing you're being true to yourself, and, and that's more important than anything.
0: So that was Sue Bird on CNN, and I mentioned that I partially disagreed with Megan Rapino, and I also partially disagree with Sue Bird. Um, you know, she mentioned that she didn't feel that it was the marketing, that it was society. Uh, I guess my disagreement, and it's, it's small. It's a, a minor disagreement, uh, to say the least, but I think it's important. Marketing... Is instructed by society at some points in times, but I also believe that marketing um, indicates how society goes. Um, what I would like to uplift from what Sue Bird said is that yes, society has problems with racism, sexism, bigotry, etc., however, marketing also has a problem. And, and I think it's because, and maybe this is what Subert was getting at, because marketing executives come from our society. Um, but the society is artificially uh, homogenous in that we have titans of industry who, my theory and my perspective on the world, is keep certain spaces very male. My point is... we need to stop making excuses. So no, I don't agree that this conversation is the elephant in the room. No, I don't agree that it's only a societal problem and that marketing and that it's not a marketing problem. No, I don't agree with those things. I agree with the PSU panelists that black and brown people, have been telling you all of this over and over and over again. And all of us choose whether we listen or not. And further, we choose whether we want to act or not. And so... um I got, I got this idea while I was listening to the PSU panel moderated by Dr. Amir Rose Davis, and I want to read this. It's one of my own tweets, so uh, shout out one of my own tweets, but I, I think this is where I'm landing. This is where I'm going to land the plane for this Thursday's episode until I pick it up again. Uh, and here, here's what I tweeted uh, in the middle of listening to that amazing panel. Hey, allies, I get that you want to do the right thing, However, I must point out that the message of the marginalized has been rather consistent. Asking the same questions and not changing behavior is not on the list of gold star of gold star allyship. Asking the same questions and not changing behavior is not on the list of gold star allyship. So if you're an ally, I consider, I hope to be considered an ally, and I hope to act in allyship to a lot of different communities. And I hope to encourage allies who want to support me. But as someone who hopes to work in allyship, if I keep asking what needs to change without listening, I'm not a good ally. And I'm not working in allyship. Asking questions on its head is not a bad thing. But if you're asking questions that folks have already answered and you're just asking be, to, to be part of the conversation, no. What you do is you do some research and then if, there's, if you need clarity, then ask for clarity. But come to the table with your own information And one of the things I absolutely want to stop seeing, hearing, reading, is to us asking athletes, uh, obviously this is a sports podcast, um, but really anybody, to rehash their trauma. At this point, most black athletes have already talked about experiences that they personally had with racism. I don't want to have to prove over and over and over again that racism exists. So, uh, what I intend to do is, per my last tweet, if you want to know if I've experienced racism, go read my work, read my tweets, read articles that I've written about it. I'm not going to repeat myself. Do the work, watch my YouTube series. Listen to Social Justice Thursdays on Locked On Women's Basketball. I've already done that for you. I'm not repeating myself. Because this elephant isn't in the room, this elephant is the room. There's nowhere left to go. We're being suffocated. By our some for some of us willful ignorance and I won't be a party to it anymore so what I ask you is if you hear me asking people to recount their trauma I want you to call me out call me out rightfully so but I'm not I'm not rehashing trauma anymore I'm not going to do it And I think we all should want better for ourselves. So again, allies, I get that you want to do the right thing. However, you must know by now that the message of the marginalized has been rather consistent. Asking the same questions without changing your behavior is not on the list of gold star. Allyship. Think about that. We'll be back, of course, with another social justice episode of Locked On Women's Basketball. Um, but for this week, I am your Tuesday-Thursday host, Erica Lindsay Ayala, signing out.